With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your Week 11 edition. This is Brian, joined by John, as always. John, how you doing? I'm doing good, Brian. How are you? Oh, well, the Panthers won a game, so I'm pretty good. It was, you know, not good for their draft position, but hey, it always feels better the week after a game for the Panthers <laughs> to just, you know, have not lost in embarrassing fashion. I mean, it didn't really affect the draft position that much. We're still third. We went from second to third. Yeah, but now the NFC South is gridlocked. It's so close. Yeah, but I mean the, the Bucks. Bucks I think the Bucks are only up by one game on everybody. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but I mean that's not gonna like last. You don't know that the Bucks are by one on the Falcons, and then two, two up on the Panthers and Saints. But I mean, like, it's it's not gonna last. At not, any not point in the Bucks... season, John Tom Brady could have an existential crisis. You don't know, man. Not it's that the Bucks the are. Taking. Not that the Bucks are good, but like, it's just it, there's a very clear hierarchy in the South where it's like the Bucks are good, the Panthers are bad, and the Falcons and Saints are clo- probably not as bad, but almost as bad as the Panthers. And I know the Panthers just beat the Falcons, so that sounds weird to say, but like, Panthers are three and one in the NFC South, John. I don't know what you're talking about. Which is dumb, but yeah, dumb. Yes, but as we know from 2014. <laughs> Makes no sense. All that matters is making the playoffs, John. Oh, and, oh and six against the rest of the NFL. Yeah, doesn't matter. Win the games that matter. And apparently, like it's not even NFC close South. either. Yeah, get blown out by the Rams and the Bengals. And but hey, really, we're still in the playoff race. Really, and really, the one the one loss should have been a win if any Eddie Pinheiro makes one of two kicks. It's like, it's like a. Uh, almost 4-0 against the division and then 0-6 against the non-division with like a negative 150 point differential in the loss. I really wish that Eddie Pinheiro made those kicks so we could sit here and be talking about the Panthers being 4-0 in the division. That would have been hilarious, honestly. I don't know. It's just... I mean, the NFC South as a whole is just hilarious this year. Yeah, it's funny how like uh, the the division's across the AFC and the NFC almost parallel each other, right? Like, the Souths are both jokes, and then the Easts of both divi- are both, like, crazy strong. And then uh, the other divisions are just kind of there, like normal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Well, but yeah, like this, the NFC and the AFC South are both terrible. And then the mm-hmm. NFC and AFC East are both like top to bottom really strong. Yeah. Or, I mean, the, least, the, the yeah. Washington commanders just beat the Eagles too. Yeah. And everyone in that division is 500 or better. And then everyone in the AFC East is better than 500. Wow. Like somehow the Colts are second in the AFC South. Yeah, I mean they just fired their head coach and they're still in the <laughs> conversation to win that that division. <laughs> yeah, they hired. Yeah, we talked. I think we talked about it on the show how wild that is that they just hired. Saturday. Yeah, yeah, we did talk about that because we talked about Frank Reich. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a tangent. The Falcon or the Panthers beat the Falcons in what was like a game straight out of like 2006. It absolutely was. Both teams wanted to run the football, and they sure fucking did. Um, Panthers won 25-15. to 15. The Falcons ran the ball 23 times for 138 yards and 5.5 and yards per carry. The Panthers ran the ball 47 times for 232 yards and 4.9 yards per carry and two touchdowns. Now, that's a little skewed because the LaVisca Chenault put up a 41-yard touchdown, which... By the way, I just want to, before we even get into the Falcons game, there were a lot of Panthers fans that were mad about the LaVisca Chenault trade, and my defense of it was, that was basically a draft pick. I mean, we didn't know we were getting with him. It was a sixth-round pick that we exchanged for a seventh-round pick. Get fucked. That trade worked out. (laughs) Even if he doesn't do a damn thing for the rest of his career for the Panthers, that trade worked out because he was pivotal in two wins for the Panthers. Also, like, he's more likely to be a useful player than a sixth-round pick. I mean, he's a he's a unit of a wide receiver. He's just very hard to tackle. Yeah. Is he overly quick? No, but he's big and he can run fast straight straight downfield. And apparently, that's just that's enough. It helps when Falcons defenders tackle each other. But still, uh, I like him. Poor, but uh, poor PJ Walker with a super mediocre stat line that would have been greatly uh, helped by having a forty-one yard touchdown pass thrown in there. That is true. He went from he went from what, what would have been eleven for sixteen for a hundred and forty nine yards, yeah, yeah, and a touchdown to ten or eighteen for one hundred eight yards, and a nineteen point nine quarterback rating. Yeah, oh, and well, he yeah, suffered a high yeah. ankle sprain. Yeah, I mean it's something going around the quarterback mm-hmm. room, get contagious. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, so the Panthers started played Thursday night football. First quarter was a little bit of a struggle. The Panthers got a 46-yard field goal from Eddie Pinheiro, who, which was a doink, by the way. He probably should have missed it. And I honestly think the fact that he didn't miss it was what kind of like got his confidence back. <laughs> yeah. Well, he'd been um, pulling everything to the left, and then I guess like – and even that one was to the left, right? And it just snuck in. Sure was. Hit the sidebar and snuck in. Um, what am I doing here? I got to pull up the actual play-by-play. I'm just looking at the score. Um, so, yeah, the Panthers got a field goal after forcing a punt by the Falcons. Falcons punted again. Panthers punted after a pretty productive 56-yard drive. But as is, you know, the standard for them, they they stalled out. Um, another punt by the Falcons. Then we had, as we alluded to earlier, the 41-yard reception which turned into a rushing play by LaVisca Chenault for a touchdown. 
Then Marcus Mariota threw a pick to J.C. Horn after a, if I remember correctly, he kind of scrambled around a little bit. The defense was after Marcus Mariota all game. Unfortunately, Marcus Mariota also lost his mind on Thursday night. Like Mm -hmm. he was doing, he did that. He was trying so hard to throw interceptions. Um, It's amazing. He only threw two. He should have been sacked a lot more than he was too, but apparently the edge, the edge defenders uh, don't know how to tackle which has been a consistent, a consistent problem for a while now in the Matt Rule era and in the post-Matt Rule era. Um, Panthers only managed a field goal. Falcons managed their field goal going into halftime, 13-3 to Panthers. Panthers started off the second half strong with a three-play negative six-yard drive, which was a punt. Falcons got a little bit of life going, but they punted. Panthers punted, and that was when the Falcons finally scored. Nice pass from... Marcus Mariota's Drake London for a touchdown. So that made it pretty close. It was now 13 to nine. And I remember watching the game being like, oh, this is where that's going to turn the corner because the Panthers tend to fall apart in the second half. But they actually responded with a nice, with a nice, uh, with a nice can touchdown I, drive. Can I, can I, can I uh, take a moment? Cause I, this is kind of my shtick to criticize yeah. uh, the fans for something. Go ahead. So uh, the Drake London touchdown. They called like unnecessary roughness for like helmet to helmet contact. Yep. And it was kind of a soft call, but completely inconsequential to anything. Right? Yep. Like touchdown's a touchdown. The penalty's a force on the kickoff, which is gonna be a touchback anyway. Like the penalty meant absolutely nothing. And the entire stadium like lost their mind, like for several minutes over hating that call. And it's like, oh, gosh, yeah. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! It didn't matter. Like, I forgot you were it, at the game, weren't you? Yeah, it was at the game. It's like yeah. it, it's like the touch is like it's a touchdown. It was going to be a touchdown whether they threw the flag or not. Like nothing is happening because of that flag. Like they might as well have declined the penalty. It, it was just it was like it was I don't know. It didn't matter, and I know people just like to get riled up, but it was just like it it felt so dumb that everyone was so passionately like watching the replays and it was like oh, oh my god that's so bad. It's like who cares. <laughs> Who cares? It doesn't it didn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, save, like, it doesn't matter. Just Let the fans be passionate, else. John. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. But it's just like, like I don't know. It it, it, it was like, show, show some football intelligence, please. As a fan base. That's, that's a tall order, John. I know. Um, It was okay, though. The Panthers responded with a seven-play, 84-yard drive, which... The one guy I pointed out with my uh, weekly uh, preview was Terrace Marshall. I thought he was going to be a lot bigger of a factor in this game. He wasn't, but he did have a really key 43-yard reception for P.J. Walker on that drive. And then they basically just rode uh, Dante Foreman into the end zone, or Deontay Foreman into the end zone. So that put the Panthers up 19-9. to Missed a field goal from the PAT by Eddie Pinheiro, though, so not perfect still, but... He redeemed himself, got another field goal, 22-9. to Falcons turned the ball over on downs the following drive. Panthers also punted. Then the the Falcons scored a touchdown, again putting it within one score. Panthers managed to hold the Falcons, though, with several sacks by the defense, a field goal with with like a minute 40 left, and let me make sure that's correct. No, excuse me, with about 10 seconds left. That was a one-minute, 40-second drive. And the Falcons lost. So the Panthers 
are now three and one in the division and still strongly in the playoff race (laughs) to, uh, to elaborate on one of those. uh, Oh, that was another, another moment too, of like, just kind of disappointed in the uh, response. Um, When Marcus Mariota had that pass, that's gone very viral where he like, Oh, in a circle fell on his back and like from his back heaved it like 30 yards straight to a panther and everybody was like going crazy for like the pick six and like the stadium was like touchdown panthers it's like guys marcus Mariota was on the ground for like five seconds before he threw the ball like <laughs> in real time it looked like it could have been uh an actual really? throw in, in real it, time i, I thought i thought it looked pretty obvious that he was like firmly on his back when he like started to throw the ball all I know is as soon as Miles Hartsfield caught that, I was like, I'm going to give John so much shit for this <laughs> this pick six. And then he didn't. It turned out to not be a pick six. I mean, so. yeah, it was it was I mean, it was a hilarious attempt at a throw. Um, but it, it it was like. um, Very, very obviously down from the start, like every like I was I was at the game with my family and my sister was sitting next to me and she was like screaming and cheering. I'm like, Shh, like, stop. Stop. That, that, that wasn't a completion. No, please, like <laughs> it's not a touchdown. Like you're you're gonna be disappointed in like five seconds. But I am glad but, the refs didn't throw the didn't call the play dead though, just for the sake of making sure it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't yeah. you know. But but actually thrown. The, the 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 defensive front did a really good job getting Marcus Mariota on like keeping him under pressure, making him uncomfortable. And like I said, he boy did he look uncomfortable. Um, he was just there. I, I feel like Mariota has this reputation as being like a game manager that can run, right? Like he takes care of the ball. He makes, you know, he can he can make the the like the hit the target if the if the first read is there. But he's not like gonna go out there and win you games, right? Or at least with his arm. Yeah. Uh, it it just seemed out of character from what him or what I expected Marcus Mariota with how much he was like recklessly throwing the ball down the field, like. The Panthers would get it would heat him up, and he would like escape pressure, which, like you said, the Panthers were kind of struggling to get him down. And he would escape pressure and then just be like, "Ah, oh, Drake London's down there somewhere," and just like heave it. And hitting the Panthers had multiple chances for interceptions. He basically did like what PJ Walker does, where it's just like, "I'm out of ideas. Maybe if I just like throw the ball far enough, the receiver will get it. Will make a play it's- for me." It's interesting because I don't know if this is true or not, but these are the guys that cover the team. But I saw a couple different tweets from Falcoholic writers where they basically said it looked like Matt or uh, Marcus Mariota was kind of fighting to keep his job, Hmm. which would make sense contextually that he'd be kind of forcing things he shouldn't. I don't know why. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah, like they're thinking about going to Desmond Ritter. He's got to maybe take a few more chances. Like, I got to go out there and make some plays as opposed to just like being uh, like by the book. Because then you become replaceable, right? It's like, well, any, any, we can bring in anybody to like follow the play designs and take what's there. We need someone yeah. that's gonna like make a difference. Yeah, I forget what commentator said it, but they said something about the Falcons seemed like they were allergic to throwing the football. Uh, I don't oh, know if I it mean, was in the yeah. game or if it was on Twitter, but I remember reading that and was kind of chuckled a little bit because that should have been what the Panthers were early in the season, but they weren't. Well, we went all in on that on. Uh... Thursday, 40, 47 rushes and sixteen passes. Like that's that's not twenty twenty two NFL. Sports. What does your analytics have to say about that, John? 
it says, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess it worked for this, for this particular game. I guess we can have a real quick sidebar about that, but it seems like the teams that are winning right now, aside from like the chiefs and I guess the bills, but they just both have otherworldly offenses in general are the ones that really run the football. Well, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's kind of been my observation. I don't. I don't think. It, uh, I would say. I mean, they run it well, but they all can throw it. Like, like the Dolphins. The, Vikings. the Dolphins was the other team I was thinking of. Yeah. There's the Ravens, like a. The Ravens hit big play. They run, but it's also like very heavily Lamar Jackson, and he's also makes like a ton of big plays in the passing game. Yeah, but so, even yeah. the Eagles are really are they? They still throw the ball well, as you, as to your point, but. Yeah, all the teams that are being successful still run the ball well. I guess it's kind of pairing it with a good off with a good passing offense. So, I guess I yeah, see where it, you're coming from. Yeah, my my whole point has always been that, uh, like, throwing is a necessity, and running the ball is a like change of pace, keep the defense honest type of thing. Because like, uh, you know, if your passing game is efficient, and I mean, you can say this for both sides of the ball, but like, there there's never there are obvious passing situations. There is never such a thing as an obvious running situation. Like, you know, there's times where it's like you expect to run because it's like if it's, you know, goal to go or fourth and second and or something. one, something like yeah. that. Yeah. But like a pass is always like is on the table, but that's not the case. But that, but there's, that's there, there are plenty of cases where it's like third and seven plus where you're like, all right, they're, they're going to pass it here. And so, that's where I feel like the emphasis needs to be because those situations always arise. And basically being dependent on running the ball and stopping the run is that uh, those situations, you're like basically, well, especially running the ball, you're very dependent on yourself never being in those situations to be successful, which is not sustainable, generally speaking. But anyway. That's, that's fair. The, that's the point. Um, but yeah. Uh, but the, the counterpoint to that is like, if your offense is bad and your quarterbacks are bad, you just kind of have to do whatever moves the ball forward most effectively, even if it's not like, like on the whole passing the ball is more efficient than running it. But like for the Panthers as a team, when like Baker Mayfield and PJ Walker and Sam Donald are your quarterbacks, uh, that's, that doesn't tend to hold up as well. Yeah. It's or really like a Falcon, shame. The Falcons too. Yeah, it's really a shame that they assembled the team in this way and then the Matt Rule-led offense operated the way it did where they kind of just were like, well, we're going to make Baker throw the ball 40 times a game. Yeah. Because this team was really built to be the way that you're describing where they depend on the run and they kind of need let the quarterback just make just enough plays to win. And it, apparently it, needed, they, it required Matt Rule to be fired and P.J. Walker to be put in. For them to start yeah. operating that way, you, just, you have to stay on schedule, and and your margin for error is significantly smaller because, like, you can throw an incomplete pass, and if your passing game's any good, you can make up for it. But if you like get stuffed on first and ten, and you're like r very dependent on the run, like that, you're like, well, there goes that drive. Yeah, like one, just like one bad play is like, well, there it goes. Because yep. we need to we need to string fourteen of those in a row to uh to to succeed here. Yep. But when the Fal but like the Falcons are so bad and like the Falcons defensively are bad enough to where it didn't matter. And then Deontay Foreman, uh very good. Yeah, it's it's criminal that he only averaged like one rush per game when Christian McCaffrey was here because 
you know, the whole point with him being brought in was he'd spell McCaffrey a little bit, and they just never did that. Right. You see the 49ers had this crazy idea where they split the carries like 50-50 between uh, Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. Now, they, they went so far as to like having Elijah Mitchell in for like the goal line set on like the most important drive, like the game-clinching drive, which was weird, but it was just like a crazy concept that they're like, we have Christian McCaffrey and we can use another running back. Mm-hmm. I know. Such a strange thing. Doesn't make sense. Apparently, it's just whoever whoever's the number one running back for for Carolina is going to get most of the carries. It's just it is what it is. Right, because we have Deontay Foreman and then Raheem Blackshear and Chuba Hubbard got combined like a third of the carries as him. Yeah, if Deontay Foreman gets injured at any point, we're going to see a twenty-five rush attempt game by Chuba Hubbard. I don't know. Raheem Blackshear was ahead of him on the depth chart on Thursday. I don't know if that's just because Chuba's been out, but and he was more effective too. Yeah, Blackshear is really good. That was a good, that was a solid pickup by them on the waivers. So I'll give him props for that. He's he's definitely got some ability with the ball in his hands. Um, Especially for being a, he runs hard for how small he is. Yeah. Those are the kind of running backs I like for as your <laughs> second or third, you know, the small, the Darren yeah. Sproles of the world where they can, they can do pretty much everything you need them to. You just don't rely on them every snap. Right. Real shame. Um, but before we move on to the Ravens game, because that's going to make me sad, um, <laughs> let's talk about the fact that three of the Panthers quarterbacks this year have suffered the same injury on, I'm pretty Page, sure it was man. all in Carolina as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, like on like Carolina's home field? Carolina's turf, like in yes. Stadium. Yeah. Uh... I want to say that's so. true. Yeah, I... I PJ was obviously in Carolina. I'm pretty sure Sam Darnold was the was in the preseason week two. I'm pretty sure that was a Carolina home game. And Baker against uh, was that the Niners or was that the Rams? I think it was the Rams. No, that was the Niners. That was in Carolina. Uh, week two was it? No, Sam Darnold got hurt in New England. Oh, okay. Well, that that kind of quells me. Still, two two of the Panthers. Four well, quarterbacks. Yeah, sure. The sure. Injury. Sure. Well, yeah, we'll go with that. On turf, but yeah, apparently that's just something that. Oh no! But Sam Darnold with. got hurt in the against the Bills, so it wasn't Carolina. It was week three. Yeah. So there you go. Back, back, back on the narrative. Yeah. So back on the narrative. Yeah. So the Panthers' turf has caused three high ankle sprains. Did you see? Uh, the NFL was like. Like every report ever, or like every study ever, has been like lower extremity injuries are significantly more likely to happen on turf. And the NFL is like, all right, fine, we'll do a study. Whoa, look at that! Turf and grass are the same. And it's like, I don't know if I believe you. Like everything else has been pointing, like objective sources are saying that turf is more dangerous than grass. And then the NFL is like, all right, fine, we'll do our own report. And then it's completely different than everything else that's ever come out. Yeah, literally, like. The day after that report came out, PFT put out their own report that was, you know, contrary to that opinion by yeah. the NFL. <laughs> that was, yeah. Uh, it's almost yeah, like, like the, the NFL... NFL has a reason to uh, right. push that turf works well because, you know, then those owners make money, surprisingly, by having the turf there so they don't have to maintain the field and they have other events in their stadiums. Maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. Maybe I'm connecting dots that don't exist. 
this um this report uh from the NFLPA uh 32 percent higher or 28 percent higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries on artificial turf 32 percent of higher uh non 32 percent higher rate of non-contact knee injuries on turf and 69 percent higher rate of non-contact foot ankle injuries on turf which that is very like anecdotally true like you see pretty frequently players like twist an ankle on turf like on a like making a cut or something that never happens in grass yeah or if it if it does it's because the grass field is shit you know yeah but like like you never see uh like people turn an ankle in grass and this and then like anecdotally and then also like personally speaking anecdotally and obviously the quality is not nearly the same as an nfl personally but like, speaking anecdotally i love it yeah, uh, but well, I just I want to I want to like clarify that I know that this is a an anecdote and does not hold any weight compared to like large scale studies and stuff. But uh, I play flag football on grass fields and I play flag football on turf fields, and I hate playing on the turf fields. Like oh, I for, I played football I played real football on both. Yeah, it's like not only is it harder to like fall on the turf, but just it it like it feels stickier in that like your cleats get kind of stuck in it and like, it doesn't give. Right. So like, you'll be making a cut like way more often. I'll be like making a cut and like my ankle turn, like turns a little bit, or I feel like, Oh my, like my foot got stuck there and I felt like I could have hurt myself really badly. And I was like, you know, dangerously close to like my knee giving out or something where in the grass, there's like, it, it gives it push. There's like padding and stuff. So, oh, yes. you can also scrape the shit out of your out of your oh, legs yeah. and arms on turf. Get turf burn for for weeks. Yeah, let me tell yeah. you, it's not fun running routes when your whole when your whole knee is covered in turf burn. Yeah, it's not fun. It's just yeah. not. Yeah, turf sucks. Go to grass. It's also just like way more fun to watch football on grass. Mm-hmm. Like the the aesthetic is better. That's kind of an old person take, but uh, and you know the pan and. The only thing I have against turf is Candlestick Park for 2015 specifically in the Super Bowl. Oh, the grass. Mainly because the 49ers suck and they couldn't maintain that field for the Super Bowl. I hate them. I'd still rather watch football on an unmaintained grass field than an immaculate turf field. Yeah, I mean, it's still funny, ugly football when people are slipping all over the place, but you know. Right. At least they're not breaking their legs or ankles or. Yeah, at least, I mean, maybe you don't have four quarterback injuries in this season. Yeah, instead of you just see Michael Ower on skates as uh, Cam Newton gets sacked. Yeah, you know? but then he like keeps his lower extremity health. Mm-hmm. It's a trade off. But yeah, so three quarterbacks with high ankle sprains, and then like Matt Corral's injury is like very. It's also foot related. Yeah, it's it's a similar and it's like a similar mechanic to the high ankle sprains too. It's just yeah. like his foot got jammed instead of twisting underneath a body. So. Uh yeah, court maybe. Do you think the uh the the training staff needs to go? Maybe. Yeah, I, I always I, I love I love when uh there's like a rash of injuries and it's like the training staff's problem. So yeah, do you think the training staff should be preparing the lower limbs for uh to better handle 300 pounds twisting it in the opposite direction that it's supposed to go? Well, yeah, that's their jobs, John. You would think, yeah. Yeah. Fire them all. Get them out of here. But I guess, uh, I mean, PJ Walker 
I mean, maybe he. I feel like this is just a setup for that. Whenever like Baker hurts himself again, it just can be Sam Donald's turn, right? Oh, PJ Sam Donald's a hundred. Sam Donald's a hundred percent gonna get a, gonna get a start at some point this year. Yeah, because because I don't think PJ is gonna be. Uh, I mean, he'll, if he's back, he'll be like very close to the end of the year, right? Like, basically, this is an lines. optimistic uh, projection, right? I would say yeah, it's, it's probably like, about six weeks. Yeah, it's usually four to six, and we're at what week? Uh, Ten right now. Eleven. We're going into week eleven. So, I mean, he, yeah. I don't Bring know. back the Darnold. I want yeah, to see it. almost into the season. Yeah, almost into the season. By the time he's back gonna be hilarious when Darnold throws like four touchdowns and then we're all sitting here like well why did we trade for Baker Mayfield <laughs> what I'm super excited for is the one of Sam Donald or Baker Mayfield is gonna have a really good game at some point between now and the end of the year and there's going to be a not insignificant portion of people that are gonna be like maybe this guy's not so bad we should uh, give him some more burn and see what we have in him like we're gonna have four years of terrible Sam Donald aside from three games, and then he's going to have, like, one more good game. People are like, maybe Sam Donald, there's something there. Because everybody's always, like, super reactionary to, like, the last thing they saw. Well, yeah. That's NFL fandom, John. Oh, I know. It's going to be very, it's going to be very funny, because it will guaranteed happen. Um, One of them is going to earn themselves a, uh, like, my dad is going to tell me the next time I see him that, like, maybe Sam Darnold should be the starter next year. I'm like, no! I mean, you let need it, you need someone like Andy Dalton on the roster if go. you're going to draft a rookie quarterback. So I wouldn't hate it. No, but it's just like they're going to be like, maybe we don't even need a quarterback is what I'm – is the problem we're going to run into. Or we can, like, wait one more year to see what we got. Maybe he can sustain it next time. And yeah. it's like, I don't I don't think so. Maybe if we get him a top three pick at running back, he'll be okay. Right. right. Yeah. It's worked for Daniel Kind of like we had. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's move on to the Ravens game, unless you have anything else you'd like to talk no, about. No, let's talk about the Ravens. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So the Ravens are really good. I don't know if you knew that, John, but they, they are yeah. they are really good. I think I think Sunday's game against the Ravens has the largest point spread of any NFL game this weekend. 13 points is a lot, <laughs> or 12 and a half, I should say. It's a lot of points. Yeah. So it's a big, it looks like college football, which are always really funny, where it's just like when a like a top 10 team plays against a not ranked team. And it's just like, oh yeah, Georgia's favored by 28 points. 
That's, I don't uh, blame them, though. I mean, the Panthers had a really hard time tackling Marcus Mariota, and they face Ravens' leading rusher, Lamar Jackson, on Sunday. So that's not going to be fun, unless Marquise Haynes and Brian Burns, you know, learn how to tackle all of a sudden. Even even Gator Gross Matos. There were several times where I'm just sitting there screaming at my TV on Thursday about how they should be tackling this guy, and they're just like trying to arm tackle him. I'm just like, come on. <laughs> Go for we, the uh, ankles. This is going to be like a... I feel like it's going to be like looking into a mirror into the past. Oh, no. Be, with like... The, no, just like the construction of the Ravens. No, roster. I know what you mean. It's just... I, I It makes me sad to think about that. Because you're like, right. Yeah. It's, yeah, because like their quarterbacks, their leading rusher. Uh, their running backs are... Whatever. They're fine. Like They're pretty good, I guess. But their tight like, end is their leading receiver as well to really hammer yeah, their tight end. Yeah, they yeah, that's another point. And I don't know if Andrews is playing, but yeah, their tight ends like they're far and away number one like target. Uh, and then it's a bunch of like wide receivers that have very uh distinct traits but aren't good mm-hmm. all around at least yet. I know they like their guys are younger, so they they have room to grow. Uh, but, Rashad Bateman was probably going to be a decent wide receiver for them until he got hurt. So, right, yeah. So now it's just like we have like Demarcus Robinson, who's very fast but not that great at catching, and we have Devin Duvernay, who's basically a returner. Oh, they got Deshaun and, Jackson too. Is he? Didn't he hurt himself? He's questionable. Yeah, the guy, guy just lives with a strained hamstring. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So yeah, basically, it's like the two 2000- thousand the mid 2010s Panthers of quarterback that carries the entire offensive load with a tight end number one target. And then a bunch of like small, fast wide receivers that aren't that great. Yep. Which means they're going to go to the Super Bowl and lose in embarrassing fashion to a team. They should have beat. That's my prediction. Like the Vikings. I really kind of hope the Vikings make the Super Bowl. Honestly, it would just be really funny for Kirk Cousins to be. That'd be that'd be a lot of purple in the Super Bowl too. The Ravens and the Vikings. Actually, yeah, the Purple Bowl would be a good would be a great marketing purple thing. Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, before what? So how? Let's let's just sit on the side of optimism of the fence for a second. Okay. So how did the Panthers win this game, John? Um, that's a good question, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, oh boy. Like realistically or just like in a fantasy world? Realistically, I would think. And I, I do have an answer to the question if you want me to. Yeah, uh, go ahead. You start it and I'll, I'll, I'll build off that. I think that if the Panthers are going to win this football game, they need to go away from this stupid and. I get why it's happening because Steve Wilkes is installing his defense midway through a season where he wasn't expected to be the head coach, but they really need to go into man coverage hard and just zero blitz the fuck out of Lamar Jackson, just like the Dolphins strategy last year on Thursday night football. JC Horn needs to be in his, in the number one wide receivers face. CJ Henderson. I know he hasn't been great, but he he's built like a, a man press cup corner. Get those two to play in man coverage. Put Miles Hartsfield up against whatever tight end or whoever they have in the slot that they're going to use for for 
Lamar Jackson security blanket and just send the fucking blitz after him. That's that's the game plan. That's the strategy based on the horrible fucking Thursday night football game I watched last year where the Dolphins ran the same blitz play like 15 times over the course of the game and they couldn't do anything about it. That's where I think the strategy lies. It's the and, Ravens last year? Yeah. Yeah, they ran uh, zero blitz against them like 15 to 20 times that game. And for some reason, the Ravens offense couldn't figure it out. Uh, I, I don't have... um recent numbers but uh if this makes you if this means anything uh from september 27th so early in the season from warren sharp uh lamar Japs, jackson is absolutely destroying the blitz this year he ranks number one in epa per attempt number two in yards per attempt and number three in success rate uh well shit now that was in september um so it was only that that was after like two or three weeks so you know so the reason why i say that is because the dolphins the dolphins defense is a lot like the panthers now granted their defense or i should say the defense that they were playing last year is a lot like the panthers defense this year the panthers defense is fast and athletic that's the one thing that is one thing that you have to give them as far as their performance so that's the only thing is the way i look at it is they have the, the the matchup advantage if they're putting enough pressure on Lamar Jackson where he's just got to run and they have somebody who can clean it up, which last week was poorly executed, obviously, because Marcus Mariota broke, broke a fuck ton of tackles. But yeah, that's the way I look at it is because the offense is the offense. They might put up 14 points, maybe 21 if we're lucky. So I think it's going to come. This is another yeah. one of those times where the defense is going to have to really have a solid game plan against the offense. Yeah, the only thing that I would like worry about is with the man coverage part is that if you do struggle to get Lamar Jackson down with the pressure and you're playing man coverage he's gonna behind run. your blitz, he's yeah. going to run for like a he's going to go like Justin Fields on the Panthers and run for like 150 yards. Yeah, I want to say the Dolphins game plan had like a spy, but it was so but it was right. one of their more athletic players. Um Yeah. Which who would be the spy for the Panthers? Maybe Frankie, Frankie Louvu. Yeah, I mean, he, even then, he's still athletically. As much as I love Frankie Louvu, he's athletically outmatched by Lamar Jackson. Well, so. I, everybody in the NFL is athletically outmatched by Lamar Jackson. That is true. So that's not not. Maybe really... J.C. Horn's not, but I don't. I wouldn't want him. You got to get. Yeah, we do. We have Frankie Louvu covering Mark Andrews, so J.C. Horn can. There are cornerback and spy the quarterback. And I don't think Jeremy Chin's going to be back this week. So. Yeah. He might have been the other guy where I'd be like, put him up at linebacker and play two other guys at safety and just let him be the spell against Lamar Jackson. But I don't know. I'm just trying to be real. I'm trying to realistically find a place where the Panthers could win this game. That, that's that's my my best gasp at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would probably be the route, right? Like you gotta you gotta bottle up Lamar Jackson and force him to throw. Which, like, not to say that like he can't beat you with his arm, but you know, you, that's that's where you can make make plays defensively because I think the Panthers, they're since they're so outmatched, like uh, in an in like a straight up game, that they need to win. They need like to win the possession battle, not in terms of time, but like they need to get turnovers and they need to hit yes. big plays, right? Yep. Like 
if you just like take both these teams out here and just like who can sustain more drives for touchdowns, it's going to be the Ravens like 10 times. By like a 10. mile. Yeah. Yeah. But it, the Panthers, so the Panthers, I think are going to need, you know, they're going to need to short circuit some drives and turnovers against the Ravens and they're going to need to take care of the ball and they probably hit like to make your Mayfield's credit for as bad as he was. He, and I mean, we still had this with PJ Walker, but need to hit one of those random, like 60 yard touchdown passes or something just to like, get some basically get some free points well this is all healthy again so we'll take it, that right yeah that yeah i think that's what the panthers need to do basically against my my it's like just take care of the ball try to hit some big shots when the ravens are like geared up to stop a run and then hope that someone makes a mistake on the ravens and you can like force a fumble or get a pick or something and that i think the recipe for for a win I will say a lot of the Panthers blitzes I've seen this year that were really successful were the ones where they also sent JC Horn, yeah. which contradicts my strategy of having him in the receiver's <laughs> face the whole time. But I mean, start in the receiver's face and then you're close to the line of scrimmage to go blitz. He could play in the slot, so it's feasible. Yeah, he's he played in the slot a lot because he was a uh, like they had him over Kyle Pitts a good bit on Thursday. Yeah. So it's not that that's they're willing to do that. I do love that matchup just because it's going to be, at least for the next four years, that's going to be a premier matchup. Hopefully when those two teams actually get good, hopefully in the next two years, because that's just a fun one to watch. Those two duking it out in the slot. They're also both number eight, which is kind of funny. <laughs> for a tight, a tight end and a cornerback to both be number eight when they match up against, and they're matched up against each other. Yeah. That's uh, not, you know, tell that to somebody three years ago and see what they said. Yeah. That's not allowed. Yeah, it's never allowed. How dare they change their numbers to right. single digits? Yeah. Uh, heresy. Exactly. As far as the offense goes, I'm assuming they just lean on Dante, Deontay Foreman yep. as much as they can, try to hit Terrace Marshall. or I have a feeling uh, Jalen Ramsey is going to be all over DJ Moore, so I feel like this Jalen is Ramsey, one of those games. Mean, uh, Marcus Peters? Marcus Peters. Sorry, for some reason I thought it was Ramsey for them. Um, uh, other, other Rams. He's the other, yeah, that's right. The Rams, that's who he plays for. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of Marcus Peters on DJ Moore. So this is going to be one of those games where they're going to just force Terrace Marshall or Levante or uh, LaVisca Chenault or Shy Smith or just somebody to make a play. So... It's gonna be, yeah. a, gonna Which, be tough for the offense. <laughs> I need to. I don't have like a bunch of numbers in front of me, but I. Uh, so this is also not like. I, this is basically just me just having hot takes. But when I've watched the Ravens this year, uh, Marcus Peters seems like he's getting roasted a good bit. So. There might be hope to hit a big play, over the top. Yeah, I mean, though those elite corners, every one of them seems to fall off a cliff at some point. Um, I don't know. If he's hey, well, especially, off a cliff. well, he's. I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be thirty at the end of the season, which like so old, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's one of those guys where I feel like, you know, when they're very very athletic and they're very very aggressive, if they lose even like a half a step, and they don't adapt their play style, it could they can they can go from like difference making in a good way to difference making in a bad way very fast with how thin the margins are in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Josh Norman in Washington. Right. 
right? Where if you're if 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 you're an aggressive corner and you're able to make those plays, you if you are a quarter second slower, you're now getting burnt repeatedly doing that. Yeah, yeah I mean technique. those those kind of corners are taking chances. Right. So once your athleticism starts to slip a little bit, it becomes a little more apparent that you were taking a chance. <laughs> yes. So yeah. So his I mean his PFF grade is only fifty nine point nine, which is like mediocre. So. That's that's the move though. Get is beat him deep like one time, force a turnover for a short field, and then maybe you have a chance. Yep. Baker has a decent record against the Ravens. Granted, that was when he was playing for the Browns, who are, you know, much better than the Panthers are right now. I mean he's but... been significantly worse as Panthers Baker has been significantly worse than Browns Baker so far. So Yeah. Maybe him getting a little bit of a chance to ride on the bench and learn the playbook will pay dividends. I don't know. Maybe he'll feel comfortable playing in Baltimore again because he's been there before. Like a second home. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's get to uh, scoring predictions. All right. I'm going Ravens 28, Panthers. Yeah, I'll, I'll still stay at 28. Ravens 28, uh, Panthers 13. I'm just putting that down real quick for I was our give tracker. The Ravens, I was going to give the Ravens more points. 28 to 13, Ravens. I'm going to go with 15 to 13, Ravens. Wow, that's five field goals. Red zone yeah. defense stepping up. I just have a funny feeling that the Panthers' defense will come out a lot more motivated after they won that game because they really seemed excited after they beat the Falcons. So yeah, I mean they're still playing hard. Yeah, we'll just they see haven't what rolled over and died yet, so we'll right. see. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the the, the schedule. Plus, Lamar is always good for at least one game every few where he's where you're like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" Right. So we'll <laughs> see. So. What does the random number generator say? Random number generator says Panthers 27. Oh, man. Ravens 23. Wow. So the Baker Mayfield revenge game on both the Ravens and the Panthers for, Mm -hmm. you know, not not bringing him back when he was healthy. That would be hilarious, honestly. Maybe he knocks some sense into himself with the headbutting of people at the end of the game. Maybe he did. I will give him credit before we end the show. I will give him credit. People were talking shit on Baker Mayfield as a teammate for a while, oh, ever I, since the Deshaun Watson thing. I, I've that, never gotten the impression that he's a bad teammate. I feel like that's like revisionist history type stuff. He strikes me as a Cam Newton type where he's very much yeah. like emotions on his sleeve. Like if they lose, he's pissed. Which I like that. I like when my yeah. quarterback is mad they lost. Like, especially if they didn't perform well. Like, when somebody like, Aaron, before Aaron Rodgers turned into whatever the hell he is now, uh, quarterbacks came out and was like, oh, you know, we just got to play better. We're on to next week. You know, we just got to fix up some of these mistakes where they're just very yeah. methodical and calculated about it. No, I really like when my quarterback's mad about losing. Um, it's, but it's one of those things where, like, even if a person is very consistent, people like react to their personality. Like they let, so like if Baker is a competitor and he's honest and he wears his emotions on his sleeve, it's like cool. And like, 
he's got swag and stuff if they're winning. And then he can do the exact same thing when they're losing. And it's just like, wow, what a sour apple, like sour grapes. It's like, I mean, no, it's just like, of course, the things he's saying are more negative because the team's losing and you're asking him questions about the team losing. Right. Like the same personality when they're winning. It's just like it sound. It just seems so much more fun because it's like all positive stuff to talk about. Right. And I very much get, was to the point where I was kind of done with Baker um, after his first string of games. But yeah. just watching him actually be like a really good and supportive teammate when P.J. Walker was starting, even though I'm sure right. he feels like he should be the one starting. The fact that he was like out there motivating people, doing everything he could to help them win as a backup. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Like I really, I really, really hope that Baker has – a good game, even if they lose, which would be good for the draft position. But even if they lose, I hope he has a good game, a good bounce back game. I just, I think the world of that guy, I really do. Yeah. Like, I feel bad that he got such a bad rap with Cleveland, especially since like, I know they were talking themselves into Deshaun Watson for that right. reason. But even if it's not in Carolina, like if he doesn't get the, the um, Andy Dalton type contract where you come in and you know, you're going to be replaced at some point in Carolina. I just hope he's like, he goes somewhere. He has a successful career going forward. Cause he's just, he's just the kind of teammate that you want on your team. Yeah. No, he, yeah. I, I, as bad as he's been this year, I don't, I don't, I, he seems like a likable dude in a locker room setting. Like, yep. He seems like a guy that people like to play with. Exactly. But uh, anyway, anything else we'd like to cover before we, uh, end out the show uh i think that'll that'll do it for me excellent well the panthers won last week i know a lot of you are rooting for a loss this week so if they lose great but i won't be upset if they win somehow it'll just be (laughs) it'll just be a nice way to start the week so but anyway from all of us here at the keep sounding podcast this is brian joined by john as always Stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk to you soon. See you.